Well, friends, would you please turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. We are returning to this series that we were in before Lent, and where we left off was chapter 2, beginning in verse 14. Um, Pastor Keynes preached the previous uh, uh, Corinthian sermon, and so we're actually going to look at verses 12 and 13, which he preached on last time, but I'm going to reference those in the middle of the sermon, so please have your Bibles open to them. Remember that as we're looking in this, this book, beautiful word of God, we're seeing how the Lord strengthens and he shepherds his people. He shepherds us through great trials and great weariness at times, and he strengthens us for the work that he's prepared for us to do. And as we're thinking about that, uh, Covenant Kids, I'd love for you, if your parents permit, uh, to draw a, something that gives off a sweet aroma. Now, what's an aroma? An aroma is a smell that smells wonderful. It might be the smell of a freshly baked pie, or it might be flowers, or if you come to our church and go into our main office, it might be one of Miss Susan's beautifully smelling candles. But if you would draw a picture of something with a sweet aroma, because the Apostle Paul is going to tell us about an aroma, he's going to talk to us about aroma and about what the Lord sees as a pleasing aroma. This is God's word for his people. Listen, hear the word of the Lord. Beginning in verse 14, but thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not, like so many, peddlers of God's word. But as men of sincerity... As commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, we do come before your word today. We thank you that it is powerful in our lives. We ask that you would make it the most influential and formative word in our hearts in our attitudes, in our lives, that the knowledge of your Son would be fragrant in our midst, and that we would not only smell the beauty of your word, but that we would embrace and wear it in deep ways in a world around us that needs to hear your gospel. Help us to know you and to know ourselves through your word this morning, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, do you remember the challenges of 2020? (laughs) All of the many challenges that came with the coming of COVID. And that was quite a challenge for the church. You remember going back to a time when we had masks. Uh, We had to rope off certain pews. And we even didn't have services for a few weeks. We relied solely on live stream. It was a really confusing and challenging time. It was one that no pastor you would, would ever want to go back to trying to navigate the waters of COVID. 
Well, a few months ago, I was talking with a pastor I hadn't seen in a while. He pastors a very small church of about 30 people. They're mostly older adults. And, and I was asking him, trying to find out how, how his church weathered COVID. His immediate response was, praise the Lord for COVID. And I thought, what do you mean? I would never go back to a world where, where we, we went through all that we went through. He said, you know, we had been praying that the Lord would grow the gospel for many years in our midst. And what the Lord did in COVID was he shut our doors down and made us go to a, a computer. And, and that computer and that technology broadcast the, the word of the Lord through those worship services to our community. And people started sharing that. And, and, and suddenly those 30 people started sharing the gospel with, with people who, who were their friends and in their circles and they would join on, on Sunday morning worship services. And pretty soon the word of the, of the Lord started reaching nations and people are now watching and joining us in worship who had never heard the gospel before. They're joining in worship and praise to our God. Because in the face of a global pandemic, when the world is scared and terrified, when it looks like death is at work and at reign, God still sits on his throne. And we live in a world of, of death and pandemic at times and at seasons when we see it palpably. But the Lord reigns and he always leads in triumphal procession. He always is at work. Where the world is hidden because of death, Jesus is alive and active and at work in and through his people, proclaiming the power of what he has done to defeat the greatest of enemies, sin and death. Jesus did not stay dead. He is risen from the grave. He is alive and he's at work at his people. And he always leads in triumphal procession. That is what the Apostle Paul wants the Corinthians to understand. He wants them to give thanks and to praise the Lord. Because the Lord has led him always in triumphal procession. That's what we see in the beginning of this passage, but we have to understand the context of this. And so we back up to verses 12 and 13. If you have your Bibles, you can read along with me, but this is what 12 and 13 say, these verses. When I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was opened for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there so I took leave of them and I went to Macedonia. You see, the Lord had opened a door for, for the Apostle Paul to preach and grow the church in, in Trous. And, and as he's doing that, you would think what a wonderful thing. The triumph of Christ is going forward. The door of the gospel is being made known. But, but Paul's heart is restless. He's anxious. He's anxious because he cares for this church in Corinth. Like a mother who's concerned for their wayward child who stays up at night and can't sleep, the anxiety of that, it's weighing on Paul. 
And even though he knows the Lord goes before in, pro, in, in triumphal procession, Paul himself is struggling. He's struggling with perhaps anxiety, but, but he's restless. And, and he leaves this door that God has opened and he, he travels throughout Macedonia because remember, he's trying to find Titus and Titus had delivered the letter to the church in Corinth. It was a severe letter. It was a hard letter that came from Paul. It was one that, that, that the, the, the church would have to take action. They'd have to repent of things. And he was concerned and, and, and anxious and restless over it. And so he goes throughout Macedonia to find his friend Titus, his brother Titus. He goes to hear what God had been at work doing in Corinth because he's restless. Macedonia is in northern Greece. It's a large region and he's traveling around. Imagine what it would be like to travel in those days looking for one person in the whole region of northern Greece. You don't have a cell phone, no GPS. You're trying to coordinate a missionary journey. You're trying to build up and plant churches. You can't even find your missions team. What are you doing? What's going on? The weariness that Paul must have been experiencing. But he changes his tone, one from being anxious and restless to one of praise in beginning of 14. Why does he do this? Why does he change from restlessness to, to the, uh, the, the giving thanks to the Lord? Well, it, it could be because he's, he's found Titus, but he doesn't say that. It could be because perhaps he's, he's going throughout Macedonia, seeing what God had been opening doors in the churches he'd planted in, in Philippi and Thessalonica. Perhaps it's that. Or perhaps he, he's, he's praising God, thinking back of what he had done in Troas. But he doesn't mention those things. What he mentions is that wherever he goes, it's the Lord who actually leads, who always leads in Christ in triumphal procession. In some ways, it doesn't matter what the circumstances of Paul's life are. He's giving praise because his mind is being adjusted to seeing the triumph of Christ, his victory over sin and death, and that wherever his people go in proclaiming the gospel, triumph goes, victory goes. Because Jesus is not stopped by a pandemic and he's not stopped by the greatest forces of evil and sin and death. Now when Paul talks about this word, it's, it's a very strange phrase he uses. This phrase of always leads in a triumphal procession. It only appears one other time in scripture and when Paul's writing to the Colossians. Uh, but it's a, a picture that would have evoked the idea of a Roman victor. Uh, coming into a city, the, the, the Roman general, after he'd conquered another nation, would march through with his troops, and they, they'd almost do, it seems like, a tour of various uh, cities. And, and when they would, would, would tour the city, the, the incense that they would bring would be all over the streets, the smell of this, this beautiful spice to declare the victory that the Roman general has conquered. And he would lead not only his troops in, but he would lead the captives in. All of those who had been defeated, the greatest and their chief warriors and leaders would be walked in in procession wearing their defeated uh, uh, garbs, the, the garbs of their colors of other nations. They would walk them in in procession. And the way Paul uses this word, leads in triumphal procession, 
It's as if Paul is saying, I'm in this procession. Where is Paul in this procession, we might wonder. Well, it's not at the head as the general. That's the Christ who's leading. And I don't believe Paul even means for us to see him as a soldier. Paul is walking as a captive of Jesus. Paul knows that as Jesus leads, he follows as someone who has been captured, a captive of what Jesus has done in his life. The Apostle Paul, see, he understands that following the Lord means losing himself to follow his Savior. And the following of Jesus means a a, a walk that often goes to our own deaths. But to follow Jesus is life. It's this great paradox of the gospel. To be set free from a world of sin and death, we die to Christ as Christ has died for the sins of the world, for his people. But in following Jesus as he leads... There's always life. There's always triumph, as Paul says in verse 14. Paul is encouraging and helping the Corinthians to understand that to follow Jesus, to know that even on our weakest and hardest places, he leads us. We go before him. And the end is always life and triumph. And so Paul describes in his second part of verse 14 what God is at work doing even as we follow him, even as we go before him in this triumph. It's as if God is spreading the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ everywhere through our presence, through our willingness to follow him in our deaths, to our deaths. As I mentioned, as the Roman uh, triumphal procession, this parade would go forward, the aroma of incense would fill the city and it would linger in the city. For days you would smell the victory march of the general. Uh, Paul is explaining that, that Christ who's gone before, he's left a fragrance in the world, a fragrance that testifies and points to his triumph and that, that, that aroma, that fragrance of the knowledge of Christ is his people. It's what he says in verse 15, we are the aroma of Christ to God. It's among those who are saved, being saved and among those who are being perishing. Have you ever noticed how powerful smells can be? If you don't understand that or haven't realized how powerful smells can be, I would encourage you to come on Tuesday afternoons to the church and smell what Nikki is cooking in preparation for our Wednesday night meals. It will make you hungry. It will make you long for good food. That's what an aroma does. It it, it isn't in itself fulfilling. You can't be satisfied by an aroma, but an aroma points to something that will satisfy you. (laughs) That's who we are. That's our identity in Christ. It's not that we in ourselves are the salvation to the world, but we are the remnants. (laughs) We are the smell of the beauty of the triumph of Christ. 
And that's seen in the ways that we proclaim Christ in the world. And as we live out that proclamation in our deaths for one another, as they see the the work of God in our lives take form in our hearts, it's that we believe in who he is, but it's not just the belief, it's in in the actions and the decisions, the behaviors. And those form not just the behaviors of our lives, they form the attitude and the values and the worldview by which we live. So that even in a place where we're filled with a world of death and pandemic, we still know that there's life. We still see Christ and follow him. We hold fast to the Lord. We hold fast to him when everything around us feels like it's falling apart because he leads in triumphal procession. Because our boast isn't in our circumstances. It's not in our strength or our wisdom or our ability or our wealth. We boast in the strength and the love and the work of Christ. And this is challenging for some. Because Paul continues to describe what this fragrance is like. He says in verse 15, it's a beautiful fragrance to the Lord, to God. But it is a fragrance from death to death in verse 16. And it's a fragrance from life to life. Paul is saying that what we, the aroma that we smell like, the way that we live to God is a delight, it's an aroma. It's beautiful as we follow him in ways that that the world may never recognize or know, in the ways other people in the church may never know, the ways that we seek to follow and honor who Jesus is by laying down our lives, it's not an easy task. But the effects of that, the fragrance of that, it doesn't leave people with a neutral option. They either see the fragrance of God's work in our life and it leads them to run or it leads them to Jesus. They either go from death to death. They smell and it smells like a skunk and they run away. Or it smells like life and they run to Jesus. That's what Paul is saying in this verse in verse 16 the picture of who Christ is in our lives, at times it will make people hostile to us. But it will be life to those who are searching for life. And then Paul pauses on this question in verse 16, who is sufficient for these things? And Paul's saying here is, who can even do this? Who's able to live in such a way? And he concludes in verse 16, he draws him to to rest himself not on his own abilities and not on his own strength, but in his weakness to put forward the word of God, the work of Christ, not himself. For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. You see, Paul here relies on the sufficiency of God's word, not in himself, but in the work of Christ, the triumphant one. 
Paul tells us that this is who we are as we follow Christ. We are not peddlers of God's word. Now what's a peddler? A peddler is someone who tries to sell you something to their own gain. In the ancient world in particular, peddlers may have been known for mixing delicious wine with water to sell it at a better price. Peddlers were people who were seeking to become rich and wealthy to the expense of others. And Paul is saying that that in the Corinthian church, there have been those who have come to teach God's word, but have watered down the gospel. They've not spoken sincerely from God's word. They've spoken to gain something from the Corinthians, to get followers, to get something of, of wealth for themselves. Whatever their motivation is, they haven't been men of sincerity. They've been peddlers. They've been trying to gain for themselves. like aggressive Black Friday shoppers, looking only for the best deals, knocking anyone out of their their way. Paul's saying, we are to lay down our lives in the church. We should give up our fame, our following, our wealth in love for Christ because we are the aroma of Christ. Paul is saying that a sincere... Heart, a man of sincerity is a man who lives boldly in God's word, authentically preaching the truth that's found from Jesus and Jesus alone. Lives with an integrity of unmixed motives because they've been commissioned by the Lord to go. We learn to smell as the beauty of Jesus when we live in the proclamation of who he is, this affects people's lives. This is how we are to live, not in our own sufficiency, but in the grace and power of the God who's at work bringing triumphal procession. In Christ, our lives, they've been transferred from death to life. And we are learning as we follow him to be led in that triumphal procession. That just like the smell of a barbecue in a backyard, the aroma of Christ will permeate our neighborhoods, our employments, our families. As we proclaim the gospel, as we lay down and live in light of that proclamation, our lives for one another. And as we live in the triumph that he leads us towards. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for how you go before your people. That you've made us to be an aroma for the world to see and to smell and to know that you are the source of life and light in this world. You have made us to be that aroma. You have made us to be salt and light in your world. Lord, may we never fix our eyes away from your son. But Lord, as he leads our restless spirits, give us cheerful praise for all that you're at work doing as we rest in the reality that comes from you. Death has been defeated. Lord, be our sufficient strength now and for eternity. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.